And he did yeah. swear to sell the to sell to sell the truth. He tried to sell it. <laughs> right. He nice, swore nice, to tell nice the truth. Wow! Um, talk about a slip. <laughs> but he's right. So he swears to tell, to the, sell truth. the truth. Right. How many of these things did he clearly lie about? These games that were drinking games and these terms. It's common knowledge. I mean, right. not to me. I had to look them up. But no, I, right. Yeah, yeah sure it, you did, Brian. Sure you did. But these things are verifiable, and he lied. I like how Brian's story just changed. Common knowledge. I mean, not for I me. Mean, I mean, yeah. I had to look them up. Common knowledge <laughs> that I, not that I would. Have. Welcome to episode 104 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. You can catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and Brian Burkoff address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, and yes, usually with a good brew in hand. You can join our conversations on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram using hashtag PTLive. Follow us at Pub Theology on those platforms and check out video clips as we show them on IGTV. Or you can watch us on YouTube for extra content like what kind of illness we have this week and <laughs> the new fake walls behind us. So check us out on YouTube. <laughs> And you can also leave us a voicemail if you'd like, 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830. Drop us an email at info at pubtheology.com. You can send us questions, comments, queries, dissents, affirmations, whatever you want to tell us, we will listen. Minority reports. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The affirmations, we really like them. Oh, very much so. So today uh, we discuss how do you talk with people who hold a different perspective than you do? We live in contentious times and we're often uh, butting heads with people who see the world differently, particularly when it comes to religion and politics. So how, how have you engaged in ways that are helpful, productive, and sort of lower the temperature to real conversation? So we'll talk that, plus uh, life-giving practices and whether or not Christians fit into the two-party system we currently have here in the United States. And Shannon's back with us. Welcome back, Woo! Shannon. So what are, you, what are you drinking this week? So I, um, <clears throat> I am all in on pumpkin and October beers. Happy October, everyone. Yay! Woohoo! So um, one of my favorites is Southern Tears Pumpkin which they changed the formula last year and it wasn't as good, but I bought it again this year and I've gone, they've gone back to their other formula and I am a big fan. So this is, I, I had a taste of my husband's, um, but this is my first official pumpkin for the year. So exciting. Very exciting. Um, I just like to say on theory, I am thoroughly opposed to all this pumpkin nonsense. 
Aww. First of all, first of all, it's a lie. Pumpkins they they have no discernible flavor of their own. When that is so not true. It is true. Pump, they 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 take on the flavor of whatever you spice and season them with. Pumpkins don't. They're gourds. They don't really have a discernible flavor of their own. Try making a pumpkin pie and not putting anything in it but pumpkin and see what it tastes like. Okay. I don't. I don't, I, I, I can't even. I can't even. I know you can't. That being said. I'm drinking an Imperial Pumpkin Porter. <laughs> uh, brewed with pumpkin and spices. See, it's always about the spices. A jerk sometimes, Logan. And aged, thank you. And aged in whiskey barrels. So mm. my, this, this is a big one. This is like a pint. So you're drinking yep. a, a whiskey beer. Basically a whiskey yeah, beer. Yeah, because, you know. With, that's, with a, that's a large bottle. Yes, Madagascar. It, it, mm. it is. Well, I hear, I hear so you. I hear you're a keg half full kind of guy. That's right. <laughs> I'm at an 8.6 um, alcohol by vol- volume. What are you at? I think I'm at a nine. Oh. Uh, 9.0, yeah. Well, if between that and my cough syrup, I may have you beat. <laughs> you win. Yes, you win. <laughs> nice. Nice. What, well, what are you Brian, drinking? What you got in your glass? Lightweight Brian over there. <laughs> hey, yeah. Uh, I'm drinking... I'm drinking a Propeller uh, Brewing Company IPA from Halifax, Nova Scotia. I got another Canadian brew brought back from uh, my travels. Man, you're still on travel beer. Still on travel beer. It's a strong right. ale slash ale forte. Maybe that's mm-hmm. French. I don't know. Um, six and a half percent by volume. Oh. Yeah. Wimpy. <laughs> Let us Decidedly hoppy yeah. and bitter, though, so Ogun would love this. Yep. God. Yeah, I heard your hop conversation last week and I was like, mm, yeah. no, thank you. So we're back. We're back. Oh, that's yummy. Yeah, I'm all about the first. I think, I think, uh, is this my first porter for the year? No, maybe it was having some. All in a glass. All in a glass. Mm. Although the, our weather isn't quite fall yet. But I have to say, if you're personal friends with me on Facebook, if not, you can see my profile anyway. October, it actually may not be my favorite month. It is my favorite color. October is my favorite color. October, October is your favorite color. It is. Makes perfect sense. Right? It totally does. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so uh, where would you rank October on your list of favorite months? Is it, is it make the top three? Yes. No. All right, let's hear the yes and reasoning, and then let's hear the no and reasoning, and then I'll break um, the tie. All right, you break the tie. So April is my favorite month because my birthday's in April, but also spring happens. And so I was trying to think, like, I mean, spring is my favorite season. Fall is also, like, very close to a favorite season. So kind of April and October are the epitome of those seasons. But, yeah, probably number two. Number Number two, yeah, right behind April. That's that's strong. All right. Well, uh, we got June. That's that's my birthday month. So we start with June. So we're all partial to our birthday months. Oh, we're partial to our birthday months. Followed up by July and August, which are summer months. You Mm -hmm. know, I like it warm. So that's three. Um, I like I like for the same reason Shannon said April because that is beginning of ushering in the warmth out of the cold and stuff starts blooming. So we've got four. I mean, Christmas, December. I mean, that's five, right? You know, it's month number five. 
Um, so yeah, I got five months ahead of October. So at so best, halfway. at best, October is you know number six yeah. for me. I haven't really I, thought through the other. I one. might. I could probably argue myself out of that. November is actually number two, and October is number three. When like, I was in November. November. Wow. Well, because we're even like. That's, I don't know, for me, like the crispness really, like October in Baltimore is still very half summer change, which yeah. I love the change. That's why I love October. But November is much more like it's, it's genuine sweater weather and Thanksgiving and, you know, the pumpkins and the mums and the, the leaves and all that. So <laughs> well, for it, me, it's kind of a tie for two no, and three. November, November, I forgot. That's when eggnog comes back so oh, comes back. that's my number six so now october and you get to seven. start you get to start christmas like carols in november so yeah so october just got pushed back to seven seven it i'll go ahead and start half. that argument early <laughs> yeah i don't know we're not doing carol i caught what you said there no no carols, no carols <laughs> yeah it's summer. a little early for carols in november um so yeah at least seven is where october is at this point all right so i would rank october where let me sit my beer as i think about it <laughs> I think I would put it uh, definitely top three and probably as high as number two. Mm. Number one for me is March, uh, birthday month, but also March Madness. also <laughs> March Madness and baseball spring training and Brian's so know, predictable and Lent. No, right? no. doesn't everybody love Lent? It's we so, love us some good seasonal Lent. So Actually, so festive. Lent. Sometimes Mardi Gras sneaks into. It will this year. March. And uh, so anyway, March number one, uh, but then probably October's number two because of baseball is my favorite sport and it's October. October is all about baseball playoffs, World Series. Um, Football's back. The fall air. And you have football in full swing, which, you know, football is my second, like baseball's 1A and football's 1B. And uh, so you get the best of both worlds in October. And I love that. Uh, and also it's, uh, the two favorite, uh, my two favorite women in my life, both have their birthdays in October. So it's another strong birthday month, Josephine and Christy. Uh, so, but then strangely, my favorite season is summer, but <laughs> <laughs> that's so okay. If, we'll forgive you. If we could put summer in as a month, that would be number three. Okay. Uh, I hear you. I really, I really love that you're the one who comes up with these questions, but actually you're not thinking them through till showtime. And, and you write these on Sunday, don't you? No one knows when these come to fruition. (laughs) (laughs) You shall not know the time nor the hour (laughs) in which Brian writes these questions. Five minutes before we get the emails on Monday, Mm -hmm. for those of us subscribing to uh, the pub theology email list yeah, yeah if you're I mean, listening and, and you want to know what do we talk about with our group you can subscribe to these very topics you can i i would argue that october is a lot of people's favorite month simply because you thought enough to ask it right like people I think do it's love, a popular you know, month right i think it is and and you know I, I think pumpkin spice is a lot of people's favorite season and October yeah. is my favorite time. How many other months have such a like prodigious amount of beers that are like special to that month? Uh, like devoted to it, right? Yeah. Like, Oktoberfest for October. 
We have a we have a zoo one called Oktoberfest, mm. which is really fun. Love it. You, you mentioned earlier that October was your favorite color, and mm-hmm. assuming that you're alluding to the uh, changing of the, I am the changing of the stuff. seasons. Yeah, um, it's interesting as a person who's got some color blindness going on. Oh yeah, um, and it's it's fascinating to try to imagine what I am missing. So, so my color blindness is not absolute. Um, I don't see, I don't, I don't see like a dog in grayscale. Um, I, I have the red green yeah. color blindness thing that a lot of people have. Yeah. A lot of reds show up as apparently browns for me. Somebody did mm. out one time, and um, when reds and greens are together, a lot of times the reds will get lost in the greens. So I don't see the reds at all. So any any color that kind of has red as a base. So, mm-hmm. you know, think oranges and purples and stuff. Who, who knows how I'm really seeing them? Yeah. Um, they have glasses but, now. They make glasses. I've, I've heard about them. Yeah. I think I'm a little scared to try them out. Right? Like, the, you feel like the whole world is a lie. <laughs> um, well, I feel, I feel like I remember the first time I actually got glasses. I didn't get glasses till I was maybe 12 because... Up until that point in time, I thought it was perfectly natural for things far away to be blurry. It made sense, yeah. right? It's um, far away. Exactly. Why? 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 Why would I it be? Read that. Whatever. Exactly. <laughs> Cameras work that way too. So, <laughs> so you know, when it was discovered, and I uh, go get glasses. I remember the first time I put my glasses on, it was so overwhelming. I almost cried. Like I think I did tear up as well when everything. Mm snapped into focus nice you know is that realization of what i was missing all this time and here i am at 44 i think yeah 44 and counting <laughs> it's not june so you know um here i am at 44 and have made it this far and have adapted to right. my condition so there's a piece of me, you know, that almost is resistant to the idea of fixing it, if you right. will, because because um, I like the way it is, and I can't guarantee that if it gets fixed, it'll be better. Right? <laughs> sure. I don't know. It, it might be. Well, it might be such an overwhelm of color. My brain can't handle it. Be better. I mean, I think it for me that brings us to like our second, you know, kind of question, which is, you know, what what has been life giving to us um, in recent days or weeks. And, and for me, the, even just knowing that the changing of the season is coming is very life giving for me and fall, you know, there's that meme that has picture of the leaves and it says fall is about to show us the beauty of letting go. Yeah. And, and it's just for me, I, I think, I mean, just as spring is, the reminder of new life in a season fall is, is the reminder of, of how good and healthy change is. Um, and that circle of life kind of feeling. And, and I think there's just something very sacred about it, you know, which is just, just for me holding on to the fact that we're, you know, we're in that time, we're in that season is, is very life giving to me to hold on to that. You and I, clearly look at different memes because my fall my 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 october meme was falls about to show us that summer was just a past and illusion so there's that uh, mine's better <laughs> different don't judge different okay. 
Okay. Um, um, some some responses from Facebook on the uh, what was the question? Life affirming practice. Life, life affirming. given. Life given. Uh, disc golf and reading. Brian. Must be one of Brian's friends. Um, I've never met him, but I, I love it. Wing Chun Kung Fu. Kung Fu's good. My 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 life given like weirdly enough weightlifting. I don't. I would not have gotten through the last three years hmm. without consistent practice of getting in the gym. And I use the term gym loosely because it's Planet Fitness and lifting <laughs> weights. It's been such a cathartic getting the toxic energy out of me um it's it's been it's been great um some other responses from jason sitting in the woods from christian morning prayer and fishing cooking dinner marcia says journaling and praying colt is also praying Kristen devotions and rest marge says kayaking oh so thank you thank you thank you to our facebookers for checking in on that a lot of nature a lot of nature yeah. a, lot of, a, lot of, right. a lot of nature um what's been really also fun in the last week joy and i have introduced to my girlfriend sarah the the brilliant phenomenon west wing oh i've been I, watching i've been rewatching west wing and you know what's really bizarre and like like scary is like all the issues they're talking about on the west wing show we're still yes still talking about them 1999 season one and they and took still... those issues from like the clinton era exactly um, yes and how many seasons of that show are there? There's seven. Um, seven. Seven, okay. yeah. I think seven. we're somewhere in the middle of season five. <laughs> I could probably quote all of them. Like, I, it is part of my regular, like, I speak Sorkian. Like, I, it is part of my regular vocabulary. And, yeah, I have a lot of West Wing-isms. Yeah. I, see, I never watched the show when it was on, but when we moved to D.C., mm-hmm. we just started binge-watching it. Yeah. And then we and then we started watching House of Cards, which is a very different take uh, on things. But uh, you know, it was kind yeah. of fun and interesting yeah. to see those things. Uh, Absolutely, Aaron Sorkin left after season four, and it does go downhill. But it's still better than most TV out there, in my opinion. You know, for sure. Even, even after it went downhill, but but I mean, I I think there's something real to that movies, TV. Even, like danger, like they're all escapes, right? They're escapes from our our life. Even if there's some parallels, it's not real. And yeah, how would you compare? I think that's a. I like that comparison. I think we we tend to sort of look down on, or maybe in certain circles, look down on um, too much TV watching. But everybody's going to say, yeah, you can't have too much nature. You know what I mean? Or that nature is a higher level of yeah. renewing or whatever. But I like that analogy. Talk about that. I, I mean, this is something for me. I, I love being in nature, but there's just a, a reality of comfort of sitting on my couch with my husband or my children curled yeah. up and snuggling and watching TV. And, and you know, I feel like that's... Um, I don't even know how to say this. You know, I feel like that's kind of a self-righteous thing that we tell ourselves. Right. You know, it, it's part of the 1960s and 70s, you know, throw your TV away, like that kind of thing. Right. And, and I'm fine. If you don't want a TV in your house, that's fine. We have one TV in our house for, for six people. Right. So that's we, true. yeah, we don't, we don't have a TV in every bedroom or anything, but it's something that we do as a family and we do as a couple and, and I do individually and, 
and it is an escape for me. So I, I honestly would, especially in this instance, in this day and age, I would do more comparing of the two rather than, you know, it, to me, it's not plugged in the way it used to be because we also have that little, you know, this little device in our hands. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. you said one TV and, and I said one TV, but I've also seen it where the TV is on and my four kids are each on a different device watching a video unique to them. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's true. You know, we can get away with that in a way, you know, we didn't used to when the kids didn't have their own devices, we had to share a lot more than, you know, I've actually just now in the last six months been able to say, we used to wait, Derek and I would wait until the kids would go to bed to watch TV. And right. now I'm like, wait a second, get off. Like we're going <laughs> to watch something. Yeah. You go, well, what am I, use your phone. Can I take my phone to my room? Yeah, sure. I don't care. Just get out of my way. Like let me watch TV. <laughs> you know, like, pa parenting has profoundly changed. Parenting one-on-one <laughs> tips by Shannon. But I think, I think to your point about, about watching a lot of TV, I think the reason a lot of us watch more TV one the escapism from, from the real life soap operas that are going on. I mean, you know, you, you can't you can't make this stuff up that's happening right now. You know, go back and listen to our last episode. But also, um, the TV production and the writing has become so democratized. Um, there are so many more options, outlets, um, writing that is on shows that are so much more fine tuned to individual tastes. You're not um, at the the you're not at the whim of a handful of networks anymore. Right there is so much stuff out there that can be curated to every single taste that you can find the stuff that you particularly love. And if it's not bad enough, now they're rebooting, you know, the big thing now is rebooting so many old series, Murphy Brown's back, right? Still, still funny. Uh, Magnum PI is back. Not, not sold on it yet. About halfway through the first episode. That could be. You, you, you know, I mean, all the characters are better looking. They it's tried to bring Roseanne back. Well, that well it's not, it's not, it's not gone away now. We, I mean, the the new iteration will be without her. Right? Yeah. Uh, oh. So, yeah, they're gonna continue without her. I didn't and, know that. Yeah, they're. I think they're gonna continue. They're gonna pretend to kill her off, and you know, go it's on with that. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, I think escapism is real right now and needed and wanted, you know, and, and it's, I think we need to give ourselves a little more grace to say that's okay. It is okay. And everything in moderation, there's, you know, Absolutely. yes, but if, you know, you just spent the last 10 hours in front of the TV and you're not intentionally binging something, but this is how you kind of spend most of your days, you know, and this is part of what I think has led to our, and, and this is weird coming from me, uh, a, a, a virulent TV lover, you know, us sitting watching hours and hours and hours on TV has made us more disconnected from the people around us, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I think has led a lot of disparity. And then again, here we are. I talked about the watching stuff that's curated for us. We are, I think we're becoming more polarized because mm -hmm. a lot of us repeatedly watch the things that support the views we already have as opposed to, you know, watching things that will cause us to go, hmm, I hadn't thought about it that way. Look at you finding a segue into our uh, main <laughs> talking point. Well done. So, I'm good at what I do, man. For, for sure. sure. For sure. So we want to talk about hearing uh, 
different viewpoints and particularly talking with people who hold different views. And uh, Shannon posted a great meme to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash pub theology. And it shows a scientist who looks like he's explaining something. And, he's, and, and the text says, study finds that hearing an opposing viewpoint causes no real harm. Which, by the way, I don't think is true. <laughs> so not true. So not true. <laughs> but it's a great meme. It's a great meme. And it like came up on my timeline today. And I was like, oh, this is too good. It's just too good. When you posted it, I immediately gave it the thumbs up. And then a little while I was like, wait a minute. Because I had to think about, I had to think about in the of the, of the hearings yesterday and, and right. all the, some right. of the spin that came out of it. I mean... <sighs> I mean, like I, I listening to to Senator Lindsey Graham. I I mm. like I don't often swear at the TV and yell and swear at oh, the TV. Really? You don't watch enough football. I mean, <laughs> no, no, I no, I don't watch football and boycotting football. I know. I'm sorry, but I'm just saying, you know, emotional sporting events. Sure, I can get all yeah. riled up in in that, but. But like real people, or or even weird, you know, TV shows. But but I I was literally swearing at the TV. I was having a Jesus in the in the temple with the money changers moment when Lindsey Graham was grandstanding the way he was, and it was just like, oh, yeah, that's that's some toxins. I know I'm gonna have to go work off. <laughs> so I, it was a little harmful. Well, and and I think that's the difference. So. One of the the things that when when people really did study this is when the divide really started happening of when we just so it was like Vietnam was when the the we don't talk about religion and we don't talk about politics right mm -hmm. it's when the conservatism and government marriage like the extreme conservative right so like sixties seventies this era. Yep. I just did the no TV and now this, like I don't have anything against the sixties or seventies era, but there it is. <laughs> um, but that's when that marriage happened. And that's when, you know, a lot of white flight happened. There was a lot of fear in the world. And that's when the spoken slash unspoken rule of, we can't talk about religion and politics, civil rights movement, Martin Luther King, all of that. Um, we, we don't talk about that in civilized company, right? So you don't, that's not a conversation at parties. And studies have actually been done that since that point, that's when the divide of we couldn't, we don't, we no longer know how to talk to each other and how to argue in a helpful and productive way because we just stopped talking about the things that we disagree on. And so over 30, 40, 50 years, we've, we've no longer know how to do that anymore in in a way that's helpful and productive so so i uh one of the things brian asked was you know share recent interaction you've had with someone of a different political opinion that you felt was very positive and when i read that i was just like oh it couldn't have been too long ago because i'm open to conversing with people do you know when, when i really thought about it do you know when the last time i actually had like a a, a prolonged conversation with someone with a different political view was episode 69 <laughs> when my friend kevin bradley came on the libertarian do you remember this brian i do episode 69 wow. 
Love Thy Neighbors with Tanks. That's the that's the oh episode. man, that's the episode title. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. So um, because that's again, you know, me and my memory is all over the place. But that's like really the last time I can honestly remember engaging with someone of a different political view mm-hmm. about about politics, about you know these issues. And that's that was ten months ago. Yeah. It was over 10 months ago. Almost episode 50 69. episodes ago. Almost, right. almost, right? So, yeah, uh, yeah uh, apparently it's not happening as often as it should. And but, and without the even the intentional time of bringing him on to the show. Right. Right? Like, when yeah, would right. it have been to create? You create literally created the space to disagree. Like, right. organically... But, you know, so so leading up to him on the show, we him and I had gone, have had some discourse on Facebook um, about stuff going back and forth, which was what led me to say, "Hey, why don't you come on the show?" You know, we we love to talk about these things. I I know I know you from being in seminary with you a few years. That you know, kind of where you stand in the spiritual perspective. I'm curious how you've folded in this, this, what I judge as someone off the beaten track view of things. Cause I remember one of the things he, he said was, yes, he's okay with his neighbor having whatever amount of firearms and type of firearms, missiles, tanks. I mean, he took it to an extreme, I think right. just the, you know, to rancor us, but, but at the same time on principle, this is what he is a libertarian believed he wanted to trust that people would make the best choices if they weren't given restrictions to which i said i'd agree with you i would love to live in this utopia but people over and over and over again prove they can't and then two weeks later there was a new story about a man in russia who had a tank and he drove it into a liquor store through the wall of a liquor store to steal wine right I remember so, that. exactly so can i trust my neighbor with a tank i don't know that i can <laughs> depends okay. what his agenda is exactly so so you know so it's been interesting since he's been on the show um we haven't discoursed a lot we had a couple more interactions on facebook and they started to get to the point where for me it was like i don't know i can keep devoting energy to this in terms of mm-hmm. repeatedly stating what i believe him stating what he believes and we really are finding common ground around the issues. I found myself just expending a lot of energy. And I think that's been happening to a lot of people in the last few years. Absolutely. That they're, it's burnout. They're, they're, they're burnt yeah. out from, from talking about this stuff. And if they're not burnt out, they've become even more polarized and isolated. So for me, it's got to come back to, you know, finding the things that we're we have in common that we're in the same page about where we're more alike than we are not alike um and i want to do i want to do a plug for something i just found it's it's an organization called better angels and this is something i want to um i'm actually which is a west wing reference (laughs) (laughs) yeah really um so the whole idea of better angels is an organization um i'll read i'll read straight from their uh website um they said, blah, 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 blah. Oh, crap. I just, oh, Better Angels is a national citizens movement to reduce political polarization in the United States by bringing liberals and conservatives together to understand each other beyond stereotypes. 
forming red and blue. Oh, oh my computer's possessed. Uh, forming red blue community alliances, teaching practical skills for communicating across political differences and making strong public argument for depolarization. And what they do is they train people to go facilitate discussions and workshops and everything is being led by someone who's both liberal and who's conservative. Yeah. And if you go to their website um, and look at some of the videos, you just see these connections and relationships being formed between people who, you know, if you believe what you see on TV would never even show up in the same room together. Mm-hmm. But they've realized that even though they stand on different political sides of the fence, what unites them is the common needs that they have as people. They all want their kids to be educated. They all want their kids to be safe. They want their neighborhoods to be safe. They all want to earn a good, decent income. They all want their healthcare needs to be taken care of. And we may disagree about how to get there, but if we have these things in common, you know, yeah. we all want our religion and our religious views to be validated, whether we are going to go practice somebody else's, you know? So I, I, for it, sure. Maybe we'll post a link to that uh, via the Facebook yeah. page. So I think, I think as much as we're becoming more and more polarized there, there is also this growing like grassroots movement of this polarization is going to kill us. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Let us, let's find some ways we can get together here. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, yeah. Shannon? When's a, well, a recent I, interaction or other comment? Yeah. I, I was really thinking about this cause I kept thinking that even, even the most conservative people, which would be for me, the opposite view of my view in my life um, are in agreement with me about particularly about things about Trump and that administration. And, you know, we may disagree about nuances of that, but like, we don't, particularly members of my family, right? I have, I come from a very conservative family, but they did not get on this train. Mm. And, and so it's been really interesting to actually, what I would say my circle like got smaller in terms of my like political beliefs, but it's, it's because they really saw the absurdity and you know came over it's not that they were like hillary clinton fans or whatever but they were very anti-trump and in that that actually united us in a way that you know nothing else has it's been really interesting but i had i had an interaction over a year ago it was actually it was about a year ago with my yoga teacher it was one of those fluke days where i showed up and it was just me like what randomly i mean there's normally 20 to 50 people in the class and it was just me and it was a day that Kaepernick stuff was huge on social media and people were fighting and fighting and fighting. And she knew that I was a minister and she's, she's a military family person. Her husband's military. And, you know, she, she asked me about it and my opinion and I told her and she, she went on a, a conversation. I won't even say a rant. It wasn't a rant. She was like, this is what I believe. God and country and what he is doing is disrespectful and blah, 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 blah. And I, and I gave my opinion about since when is kneeling disrespectful and this is the comments that he has made and this has nothing to do with the military and et cetera, et cetera. And and she kind of doubled down on God and country. And I said, I really want to be honest with you as a pastor, that is idolatry. Like to elevate nationality to that level 
is idolatry in scripture. And she said to me, she said, I am okay with that. Whoa. Exactly. And she was like, she named it. it. And that was the thing that caught me about that conversation was we can completely disagree, but, but claim that, right? She's like that. If that is part of my faith and that is idolatrous, then I'm okay with that type of idolatry. Jeez. And so that was what made it a positive interaction, right? Is that she was able to just fully live into, no, I'm going to believe this no matter what. And I was very honest with her. I was like, I am not above idolatry. I think anybody who says that they are is lying. There are things that I idolize above God. And I I was going to say, we just had a whole conversation about how much TV we watch. (laughs) Right, exactly. I mean, and my smartphone, right? Like I, there are plenty of things I put before God. And yet, you know, but to be honest enough with ourselves. And that was to me the difference. The difference was to have a differing opinion, but to come to it with vulnerability, with honesty, truly seeking, help me understand your side. Cause I didn't walk away. I walked away from that going, I, I get it. I like, I don't, I don't agree, but I understand that that's where you're coming from. And, and I think that's what made it a positive interaction was that vulnerability, that truth telling and that ability to listen. Yeah. And also so we, go ahead, Brian. I was gonna say it defies a stereotype that I would have had that anyone involved in yoga would inherently not be conservative. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. It's really interesting. But she said she the other bit of the conversation. She's like, "Well, I have trouble saying Namaste at the end because that's whatever." Yeah. And I was like, "That's Hindu and that's pagan." That's Hindu and that's whatever. And I'm like, "Oh, for Christ's sake!" Like I'm just sitting there, like I I said, you know, it's literally just another language. I said, if you were a Christian in a place where they spoke Arabic, you would call God Allah because that is simply the Arabic word for, for God. Right. And, and she was like, Oh, and I was like, right. <laughs> like just. Yeah. And all of a sudden she blurted out Allahu Akbar. Right. <laughs> God is great. God is great. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Anyway. So it, so again, a little, a little knowledge, a little willingness. And, and again, willingness on my part and hers. Like I, I didn't come into that defensive saying you're wrong. Here's my opinion. Here's why I think that you have some misinformation, which is different than being wrong. Right. And I I think that's. So I'm curious, what, what do you say to a person after they go, yeah, I'm okay with that put in country before God. Like, where do you go from there? Like, my brain's frozen right now. I told her, I said, that's your choice. Oh my like, God. That's, I mean, it is. That's her choice. You want to pull out some verse from Isaiah on idolatry or something? Oh my well, it's interesting. So I've started following the narrative lectionary and preaching instead of the revised common lectionary. And this week is the 10 commandments. And the first four commandments right. are on the All first right. four out of the 10 are idolatry against God. You know, yeah. by the way, coming coming full circle back to West Wing. That was <laughs> that was the first, first episode. That's the pilot. episode. Best, seriously, best episode oh, ever. Best oh. open, best introduction of a character ever. Oh my god, brilliant, Just brilliant! Friends, brilliant. it's on Netflix. Go watch the pilot <laughs> episode of The West Wing. You will not regret it at all. And you'll realize that we live in an alternate universe, uh, which is a West Wing version gone horribly wrong. 
horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. So the I by the way, I I slept through. We do. We, you talked a lot about the Kavanaugh stuff last week, and we don't need to retalk about that. But I slept through Thursday and Friday because I had a, a sinus and um, strep throat. I thought you were going to say you slept, you slept through our episode while you were listening to it. That's <laughs> what I thought she was saying. <laughs> no, I slept. I basically slept through Thursday and Friday. So I missed the hearing stuff. Yeah. I missed, I missed all of it. And I was never so thankful to sleep through two days of mm. life ever. Right. Yeah. But I got up that night and my family was, there was a movie night at school and they, my daughter's part of student council. So they all were there and, and I, I went downstairs, I felt well enough to go downstairs and I turned on the TV and I, I actually went to the Supremes episode in season five of the West Wing just to watch this display of the right and the left come together to make some sort of, right. of um, compromise on the Supreme Court because I just needed some alternate state of reality that things could be this way yeah and you know i think so last week we recorded our episode before uh thursday's hearing uh and i feel like thursday our our national partisanship reached a fever pitch you know where people who were people who were going in sympathetic to dr blasey ford's allegations felt Mm -hmm a thousand percent like she was telling the truth and i feel like people who went in ready to defend kavanaugh at all costs kind of bought into his bluster and and defensiveness and no i so i i want to i want to disagree with that a little bit i think there were many people who you know by judging what i've seen on twitter and even news reports who after they heard her testimony in the period of time between their her testimony and his testimony and even some after found her report to be so credible that when they took polls, it shifted. There's now now a majority of people, it's a slim majority, but there's now a majority of people who don't feel comfortable with him being appointed to this post. No, I I think I was overstating uh, it. I think you're right. There there was a shift. Across across the board. Um, So, So what it's come down to is the realization that we we think we and and of since her testimony since the testimony not the testimony the reports of the other two women and then now they're all of these classmates of him who are coming forward saying oh yeah that 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 dude used to kick it back yes. <laughs> you know, no questions that about totally that. happened right so since yeah, all this everybody knows out, that right yeah. it's coming out now the narrative's kind of shifted to to this realization of um yeah they be, they believe uh her but they're not going to take that into account in terms of them deciding if to appoint him. I mean, for them to say, we believe something happened to her, but we don't believe it was him, then you don't believe her. You're not believing. I've seen so many people say that. (laughs) So many people. Can I ask ask this question, right? Let me just, what is, why is it so wrong of us to stand up and say I was wrong right so like if you truly believed that she was lying you saw her testimony and you you just you know the Holy Spirit came and said wow no this is this is real and you changed your mind why is that so taboo why is that so terrible 
because because we've the thing with polarization is they've got to be winners and losers my team has to win it's all become my team has to win not let's do what's right or what's best so this is this is 100% not going to happen and i 100% believe her i believe all the hers but if they stood up tomorrow on national TV and said, we made it all up, we just don't want any candidate of Trump's through, this is all a conspiracy, all right. you super right Christians, you're totally right. We, we took money from Democrats and Hillary Clinton paid us personally to stand up here and do this. I would stand up and say, man, I got duped. That sucks. Yeah. That's terrible. Why, why is that so hard? Would I, I would, I mean, I have such little, dis, I have such little respect for this administration. And yet, if they were actually to come out and say, we're withdrawing his nomination, sure. we're going back to the drawing board, right? this is clearly out of hand, out of control, and an investigation can happen in a court of law or not, that is their prerogative to move forward on that. That is a prosecutor's job. But we're, we're backing away. I... The, yes, that's the way this that. process is supposed to work. Even right. a, even a and broken clock is right twice a day. A, right. <laughs> like, why are we so afraid to be wrong? Yeah, and I think because, that I, I think that gets to the heart of what we're talking about here. I think we we don't envision that reality. We assume we are right. We assume we already believe or have the truth, and I think that's what makes a conversation with differing viewpoints so difficult because we don't go into it thinking we have anything to learn from the other. And that's, that's a bad setup for any meaningful dialogue. I, I was at a retreat on yesterday, on Monday. I'm, I started this clergy group. We do a spiritual formation retreat once a month. And yesterday was our first meeting. And I spent a lot of time reflecting on the last 15 years of my ministry and how many people I have let down. I've done a lot of good. Listen, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be some martyr here, but like I've let a lot of people down in those 15 years because I am imperfect. I am human. And, and I have no problem standing up when I truly wronged somebody and saying, I'm sorry. Like, even if I doubled down in the moment, right. And yet, a month, two months, six years later, step back and go, wow, I, I'm sorry. Like that, that must've been really painful for you. I really thought I was right. And I wasn't. And, and isn't that the model we're supposed to be giving? Isn't that Jesus with the Samaritan woman, you know, who, who refuses to heal her child because she's a Samaritan and I didn't come here. Syrophoenician woman. Yeah. Syrophoenician woman. Thank you. Yeah. My head's all fuzzy. You know, isn't that the point? Isn't that the point that we get a second chance to go back and say, you know what? You're totally right. I was wrong. My bad. But the prop, yes, 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 it is. And unfortunately, we're in a, we're in a place where, again, with a partisan politics and, and even in many cases or, or religious points of views, it's, it's the, the, in order to admit that we're wrong is to relinquish power. At least that's, that's the illusion mm-hmm. created. To admit we're wrong means we have mm-hmm. to relinquish power. And 
we are at this place in our politics now where they're not willing to do that. And I, and I don't want to use the term they, but, but it's, it's, it's not on the table anymore at, at all. And, and it starts from the top down and, you know, kind of, no, you're absolutely right. Who we, who we have at, at the top, someone who refuses to believe that, you know, anything he says is wrong, even though he says multiple things, which negate each other, any decision he's making is wrong. You know, it's trickling down. And in the quest for future power, um, you know, so many Republicans in the Senate or in the House are enabling him, you know, from going all the way back to, um, you know, the Merrick Garland thing when they refused to even give him a hearing, even though that was their job. They could have, even if they didn't want to nominate him, they, they had control of the, judici- the, the nomination judiciary team, whatever you call it, uh, you know, because they were in control of the House and the Senate at that time. They could have had the hearing and then still vote him out. They wouldn't even give a hearing. It was this, it was this um, plan to, to have ultimate, what, what is perceived as one of the ultimate powers, control of the Supreme Court here in our country for the next few decades. Um, so with that in mind, there's this push. They're willing to sacrifice everything, House, Senate, clearly probably the next you know, presidency. But if it got the Supreme Court, so this is the plan. It's about, I, the, it's I, about yeah. the power grab. And what it is, is it? Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Ab- absolutely. And I think, I think more people are realizing this. I just saw an article that said, you know, they just polled, um, what is it? Um, white middle class housewives, married yeah. women, who basically surprised everyone by electing Trump the last time. Right. And now they're like, yeah, we're not on board anymore with with this train. Uh, it's the, the, the yeah. no, I I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think, and I I mean, what is so intoxicating about power? It could be a whole another <laughs> hours and hours of discussion, but. Well, and I think partly there's a huge ego thing too, right? In in the power of the ego in needing to be recognized as being right. And so I think it really is like, we we almost feel like shamed if we change our minds because how could I have not understood that? Or how could I have needed to be so enlightened about something that I thought I already had the facts on or thought I was already read up enough or wise enough to know about. And I think the ego refuses to want to budge. It's almost like you, you've taken a stand, you've put your flag down on something and to go back on that feels like it costs you a lot, especially the more vocal you've been on whatever the issue is. It's interesting because, you know, a lot of the conversation last week was about women needing to be validated in their story right? I mean, that's been the conversation is my, my story and my voice is valid and real and correct versus, and, and I'm not trying to make it female and male. This is just, you know, there's a, there's a, um, oppressed story of needing to be heard and validated. And there's an oppressor story of needing power and control right and and those two things being in conflict and when i need you to hear me and i need you to validate my story in 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 a way that 
that is truthful and honest and, and you hold in care and trust and whatever else. And again, you do with that story, what you choose versus you're, you're threatening my, my ability to control the future and my big, you know, I I don't even, but you understand what I'm trying to say. Like I, why are these things are in competition? They should be in competition, but one of them needs to soften. And one of, one of them, you know, this, this need to be right for power and control reasons needs to take a back seat to, I, I am a person who needs to be validated. This happened to me. You need to listen. And, and that's the shift that people are so uncomfortable with, even women, because it shakes the foundation of what we have been taught. Yeah. And I, and I, you're bringing in, I think, you know, certainly there's the ego, which every human has, but then there are the dynamics of power and history and privilege, which are all sort of layers on top of everything. And I think it is really hard, especially for people in my category who might be a cisgender white male who just by, by those factors right there have all kinds of privilege. And I've come to recognize that and learn that and I'm still learning it. And I'm still having to like, you know, realize that what that has given me and there, you know, I have plenty of, you know, white male friends who think that's all a load of crock and why can't we just, you know, go back to how it used to be, blah, blah, blah. So you're right. There's so many layers to the, the story and, and, and we talk it becomes about- hard to, yeah, to, to admit I need to change. Well, but I, I want to say this too. Like we talk about this a lot and you know, the, this was brought up with the, in the hearing with the um, senators hiring a female prosecutor, right. To ask questions right. because they couldn't, you know, cause they were white male privileged. And, and I really, you know, just like every, you know, everything's kind of coming full circle. We, we in this, this progressive stance and we need to understand who the good guys are. And yes, we can, can all, we all can continue to learn and to grow and all of that. But we also need to be able to sit there and say like, yeah, you know, yes, Brian, you have that privilege. And I appreciate that you recognize that, but I also recognize you as an ally in all of this. And I, you are open enough and I'm comfortable enough that if, if I ever feel like you are, you know, stepping on my toes, if you are invalidating me, if you are mansplaining to me, whatever, I can come back to you. And that's what I kept thinking in my fevered haze through all of this was I really need the women in Brett Kavanaugh's life to step up right now. And that is a lot of pressure on them. And I understand that. I'm not necessarily even talking about his wife. I'm talking about his aides or his daughters or his daughter's friends or whatever to stand up to him and say, this is my story. And this is what I think about this situation. And former so classmates and colleagues. And you're, 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 you're making a lot of assumptions there that because, and, and the reason why I say this is because one of the most disturbing things that I saw during the week was, um, on Fox News, they interviewed a bunch of women um, a, a, about this whole thing. Uh, there was a group of, um, I would say, five or six sitting in a group, um, roughly middle-aged white women. And, Hand-selected. Um, Hand-selected. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they were, but the point was, 
here and and not only them but then another uh, probably the most disturbing interview also was another there was another woman who had her two teenage daughters sent with her but the sentiment was the sentiment was he was in high school this is what boys do why are we going to hold him accountable this was what boys do who who hasn't who hasn't been felt up by a boy in high school when they didn't want to be felt up so so be- this is this is the this is where the partisanship at this point has pushed people into a corner and saying we will rationalize and justify clearly what is you know in in the malice of terms inappropriate to right. outright yeah. like harassment and abuse in order to say this is okay that the, the means are going to justify the end so. I don't, you know, are we making the assumption that the women in his life are having the same point of view that you have, Shannon? No, and I, would, I mean, I would hope that they do. But, but after seeing that report, I was like, sure. what? And, and I mean, that what we're not arguing, we're not arguing the fact that this doesn't happen. We're arguing the fact that not only is it the norm, like we're not arguing the statistics of the number of women who have been assaulted and, you know, but we're not arguing that it's the norm. We're arguing whether or not that's okay. But chances are, if he's gone to the point where he is in his life to sit and say what he says, that he surrounded himself with people who were supporting him and enabling him, both male and female. Right. For sure. And that, and, I can and tell you that, that there's no, there, the, the women who I've surrounded myself with, they don't let me get away with shit. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. So... <laughs> Just saying. And and listen, friends, if you need help picking your friends, that's the difference, right? There you go. That's what we're here for. Exactly. That, that is it. Can you can you be your honest self? And if not, get out. You know, exactly. that's not a friend. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Great example was I forget um, um, when when Tina was here and we were having the I forget which episode this was, but we were gonna talk about women's issues or something and. And I decided to, you know, to be the good guy and go get, go, go recruit some other uh, female guests. Cause for me, it didn't seem fair that here's me and Brian, the two guys and Tina, the one woman on the show and Tina put me in my place and showed me here I was using my male privilege that I assumed that she needed help, that I, that I didn't even talk to her. And it was like one of those wake up call moments of, you know, using, using the privilege we have, you know, in whatever category we have can be so subtle, even when we think we're trying to do good, you know, and, and again, to the example of, of, to your point, Shannon, the good, strong women in my life, calling me out, putting me in my place and saying, Oh, hell no, you don't even realize what you just did. Right. And, and, you know, we, we all need that as humanity, but yes, absolutely. Like men, men, and and I'm not going to sit here and pretend we all don't make mistakes and we all make mistakes in all of these ways, but there would, you know, it's always that question in the, in terms of gender of if this situation was reversed, if you were talking about male issues, would right. you feel the need to go out and recruit other men to talk about male issues, you know, like, which we don't talk about male issues. So that's a whole nother issue, but there you go. I I probably would because I believe strength in numbers and I will dominate. (laughs) 
Wow. So well, brought, there's another oh, issue. <laughs> exactly. We all, think- we, all, we all need a, what is, uh, what was the prophet in, in David's time? Uh, Nathan. We all need a Nathan. We all need a Nathan in our lives. Yeah. Willing to step up and say, y- you did wrong. You are the man. You are the man. You exactly. are the man. You are yep. the man that you thought you were trying to save yourself from. I, I think episode title today could be women are never wrong or if in doubt, ask a woman. There's an article going around right now that Steve Bannon says the women are about to take over. That's the quote. So, oh, uh, well, you know, as Ogan you know, said, even, a, bro- even a broken clock is right twice a day. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> women are about to take over. I'm like, I'm sorry. A, is this news? And B, is this not a good thing? I'm it's a threat. Sorry. It's a very good thing. Um, all right, we got time for a few power, pass or poor. I got time for a couple pass Let's do it. or poor. So I realized since since post episode one hundred, I've been obsessed with the end times. I don't know why, but I, I caught another. Was there something about episode one hundred that made you obsessed with the end? Times? <laughs> he thought well, it was like Y two K. He thought the world was going to end. I mean, the three of us all got together in the same place at the same time. I, the world is I don't know what happened, but I've got a new date. I've got a new date for uh, the end of the world beginning and Jesus' return. Sweet. Are you Lay it on us. So, it. end of the world to begin in 2021. Yes. Jesus returns in 2028. Wait, what? Oh, like seven-year tribulation? Yep, oh. 2028. Yeah, so this oh. is according to the, um, the, the the writings of the deceased. He died in 2016. Dr. F. Kenton Bishore, B-E-S-H-O-R-E, former president of the World Bible Society. Remember this dude? The oh, Urban the World Bible Society. Yeah. So he left behind a series of books in which he predicted the imminent return of Christ. Um, so we've got some signs um, of... So the, he says the parable of the fig tree is prophecy of the rebirth of the nation of Israel. And there's going to be birth pains such as World War I and II, famines, pestilence, earthquakes. And then the rebirth of Israel is that telltale sign that we are officially in the end time. So seven major signs have been fulfilled. Five, another five major signs are currently undergoing their fulfillment. And then there are about 15 more. So he predicts uh, a war with Israel at the center opposing larger nations, such as Iran and Russia. And these other religions will fuel God's wrath. And then when these nations come against Israel, God defeats these armies. He sends fire on Russia and Iran and all those that dwell securely in the Isles, quote, whatever that means. So mark your calendars, 2021, beginning of the end times. Jesus is returning in 2028. I'm sorry, that's not good for me. That's not good. Not a good yeah, date for you. Right. It's not good for me. Okay. Um, like I have a credit consolidation happening, and a lot of my debt's going to be paid off in 2021. Exactly. And I would like a few years of like fun <laughs> of living large. Of living large. Of living right? large. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so Shannon, if you really and I need to go, you know, take out a red heifer to to delay it, things. Exactly. Like, where's this guy? You know, doing these red heifers. We're taking him out. You know. I mean, the, I'm just telling you, man, article after article, strap in people. You think it's building? It's got, something's happening. What I think no, is that's, or, the, oh. that's the birth pains of white right. conservative theology, or the death pains of white conservative mm. theology that's afraid it's losing power, so we need Jesus. 
Yes. And so what you're really saying to me is I should stop all of my payments. I should default on everything. Yeah, exactly. And stockpile water and run up your credit batteries, card. run up the credit cards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Three yeah. Years. yeah three I, years. I see this. You yeah. need to go all in on the Ravens. All in. Hey, there this year I'm not opposed to that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, so, allow me some season tickets. Speaking of, of getting some more money, <laughs> getting some more money for $300, would you spend 30 hours in a coffin? No. no. She says no. All right. So no. You made that $30,000? Okay, now we're $3,000 for three hours in a coffin? No, no. $300 for 30 no. hours. No, God, no. How many no, hours? How, what's, so what's the amount? What's the amount that Was would that get you? a dollar an hour? 30 hours in a coffin? Okay, so six flags, six million. Flag, 30 million for 30 hours. You do it then. I'd, I'd do it for 30 grand. Really? 30 hours? A day and a half? 30 hours in a coffin. A day and a half for 30 right, grand. Right. I would do we're, it. We're clearly already, we're pouring on it because y'all are just into it. So yeah, six flags. Six flags. At what point do I sell my soul? (laughs) Six flags in St. Louis, Missouri is hosting a 30 hour coffin challenge. Uh, And (laughs) listen, with this cold, I could be coffin for 30 hours and no problem. You'd be surprised how many people signed up for this thing. No. But listen, here's the thing though. Okay. There are days where (laughs) sitting in a dark, confined space for 30 hours. Is kind of appealing. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but it's for here's the thing though. It, this is this is really lame because a you can take bathroom breaks, and two you actually have a power cord running in the coffin, so you could be like watching Netflix. I can play Candy Crush for thirty hours straight. Now you're rethinking it, aren't you? <laughs> oh, I'm still, with Brian. Still, okay, thirty thousand. Then I'm down to thirty thousand. I'm with Brian. Yeah. Three, not even three grand's enough. Thirty thousand, no. I might 30, say. Thirty thousand. I, I agree. Three grand is not enough. No. Nope. We all nope. we all have a we all have a price. Yeah, a thousand dollars an hour for sure. Yeah, I totally do that. All right. So two more um, slightly religiously related things. I say slightly religiously related. <laughs> is the, is I will let you guys related? pick which one you want to hear about. Um, you want to hear about the man claiming to be God punching the police officer or do you want to hear about the Australian church? I love this headline. Australian church catches hell after introducing <laughs> electronic collection plates. Where do you want to go? Oh, well, I'm kind of curious about the last one just for practical reasons, but I was going to say, did they put the squ- We've been trying to figure out how to put the square on the right thing. So you might like this option then. Good. Um, okay. Yep. Pour it. You don't want to hear about the man on bath salts claiming to be God. Wow. I'll, I'll just share this with the one line he says before he starts saying to the policeman, you don't know what I've been through. I'm God. <laughs> it's so true. It's, it's so true. Right. He's not wrong. Man, Who can he's argue? He's not wrong. He's not wrong. All right. So St. Mary's Cathedral in Australia is taking heat for implementing a tap and go collection plate. So similar to what you would see at some fast food restaurants, these Devices allow patrons to tap their uh, chip-enabled credit cards or phones and pay a certain amount. It's basically mm-hmm. using the NFC chip in your phone. 
Um, the Roman Catholic Cathedral in Sydney announced the move on its Facebook page. The outcry was so swift that the post was deleted soon after. Apparently, people were objecting. It says multiple payments of 10 bucks can be made by tapping your card or phone once several, with a few seconds between the transactions. You get multiple payments. So um, the response was not all negative, but people seem to be um, hung up on the idea that the minimum you could give was 10 bucks. Oh. He said, if you'd made it a $2 minimum, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. Are you kidding me? <laughs> wow. Are you kidding me? That's the issue they're that's, having? That's the big issue that a lot of people were having. Well, I go back to the guy with the bath salts. Like, I'm God, you don't know what I've been through. Exactly. (laughs) But that's my thing. Like, if if your issue is 10 bucks to give to this organization that you come to and you expect, you know, you have expectations when you get there. Expect someone to deliver a sermon or mass or homily, whatever you expect to be inspired. You expect things to happen. You expect the door to be open, the lights to be on. And ten bucks is is hanging you up. It's not like they're charging admission at the door. Like you don't have to do it. You don't and have to do it every week. If you want to give five dollars a week, you tap ten dollars every other. People, right. People. People. <laughs> and honestly, okay. Hopefully, none of my parishioners are listening. But when people give ten bucks, let alone less than that, you want to say, you know what? If everyone here gave only ten dollars, we'd probably be done in about a month because it. Yeah. It just can't work that way. <laughs> we wouldn't make it. Right. So St. Uh, Mary's followed up on the outcry with the following post. Thanks to the people who took the time to make rational and coherent comments on our recent posts. Damn, that's some shade. Right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> if I could say Ooh. that out loud, like, thank you to those of you who have made rational and coherent comments about our worship service. And here's the thing, though. It's optional. Like, you don't have to use it. (laughs) Again, this is not a movie theater. They are not tearing your ticket at the door. I'm I'm like, I want to find out. I want to get these in my church. These are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Go a long way. Like, they have them in big churches around here. They have tablets that you can, like, you sign in. But a tap and go, a tap and go thing. Yeah. Well, do you, I mean, I'm sure you guys use online giving, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and actually, and, we no. don't yet. We're working on it, but we're we're that far behind. You need to work on it because yeah. I mean, right? our online giving way out outpaces our offering plate giving every week. <sighs> ours, know. ours too. Uh, ours too. Well, it varies, but for the overall, it varies. Honey, you're year. you're preaching to the choir right here. Yeah, <laughs> when you do the math at the end of the year, uh, the online and it has increased, and it's it's proportionally increased with the amount of content we put up online too. Oh, yes. I'm right, because it invites people at a distance. Right. To I mean that donate button. I mean that's the thing. Like, I mean this is this is all part of that Patreon world. Is we've learned that if we appreciate something, we're willing to pay for it. You know, right. we're yeah. willing. No. Here's the other thing we should probably talk about this next week or at some point in time. In spite of all of that, I don't know if you guys are experiencing this, but again, research is in across the board, still less people showing up to church and still people giving less overall. Oh, of course. So uh, We're an endangered species, my friend. Uh, you know, when, when do we get out? Do we get out ahead of the curve? Do we stay until the bitter end? Do we go down with the Titanic? Wow. I'm the musician on the deck. Do we put on, do we, do we, do we put on a wig, a hat and a dress and, and save ourselves with the women and children? Like what do we, what do we do here? <laughs> we try to buck. I think you would look great in a wig and a hat and a dress. 
thank you. I, I think I would too. All right. Uh, any any final word on engaging someone from a different perspective or um, seeking a life giving practice? Just claim that you're God and tell them you don't know. They don't have any idea what you've been through. <laughs> claim you're God and pass the bath salts. Oh, there you go. There you go. Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, the golden rule says it all, right? Do one to others as you would have them do one to you. So if you want some, if you would want someone to hear, believe, entertain, engage your perspective, you have to do the same as well. And remember that ultimately, underneath it all, we kind of all want the same stuff. Mm. We can debate about how to get there, but we ultimately want the same stuff. Um, I was uh, for my talk coming up on Sunday. I was I ended up doing a deep dive on um, Maslow hierarchy of needs, self actualization, that kind of stuff. And we all want the core things. We we all want the basic stuff, food, shelter. We want we want steady income. We want to be loved. We want to love. We we want intimacy. We want, you know, the, our right. basic human needs and even our past basic human needs are pretty much all the same. Um, and if we want that for ourselves, then it's fair to say we should get on board with wanting it for other people, even those people who we don't necessarily agree with because, you know, yeah. we all have these intrinsic human rights. So, yeah. so yeah, that's, 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 that's my parting words. I hear you. And I think, you know, it's really the premise of, of the whole idea of pub theology is, is meeting up with people of different perspectives and putting yourself, as you said, Ogan, putting yourself in a position where you're open to learning from someone else. We're open to admitting you might have something to learn and you may not be uh, correct in all your uh, views about life and faith and politics and all those good things. Well, thank you, friends, for tuning in to episode 104 of Pub Theology Live. You can connect and spread the word on social media. You can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or iTunes. And if you'd like to rate us on iTunes, we'd love it. Uh, and you can, as we noted, watch us on Instagram TV, IGTV, or on YouTube, or the New Thought channel. And if you'd like to find a conversation group, uh, a pub theology group in your town, uh, check out the official directory at pubtheology.com. And if you'd like to find some resources to start your own group, you'll find that there as well. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. hanging in there no I'm, I'm fading that pumpkin beer leaves a mark i mean i'm, you, I'm like okay my now. you're seeing all the october colors right now i am all of them so uh so um oh, uh, ogans and mine <laughs> right october okay. is the new black <laughs> now no there's title. the name of the episode <laughs> no title right there Okay. All right, guys. I, I really do got a jet. All right. Later, man. Catch you on the other side. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>